Man, I think I lost millions of dollars in crypto in the last week alone. So how's your day going? My day is better than it has been. I have not lost millions of dollars on crypto, but it's kind of good. Good. Buy the dip. So <laughs> I keep posting in, in our group. This dip? The next dip? <laughs> exactly. That's the meme that I keep posting in our in our Fathom group signal chat is the, um, I don't remember what show it was. They build motorcycles and it's a dad and his sons and none of them are too bright. Yep. But, another one. Yeah. So I've seen the meme. I, I think American the um, that's what it's called. Yeah, American Chopper. Today's episode is brought to you by Crypto.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Matt Damon is joining us today, which is pretty exciting. Do you like apples? I got a number. How do you like them apples? So reading the news to keep this show slightly topical and then veer off to whatever direction we see fit. Um, I want us to talk a little bit about the perils of, of fast growth as it relates to what Coinbase has done. Because in February, or actually <laughs> in December, their CEO bought a $135 million house. In February, they ran a $14 million Super Bowl ad. Uh, and this week, they laid off 18% of its workforce, about uh, 1,100 employees, which I'm sounded like I was laughing, but I don't actually think that that's funny. I think that that's pretty shitty. And this staff reduction came after they started rescinding job offers that had already been accepted by candidates, which is just so fucking gross. And yeah, Brian um, just bought a $135 million house a couple months ago, and there's been no talk of executives getting less bonuses or less money. Um, (laughs) Well, there never is. (laughs) Oh, my God. So obviously, he blamed the changing economic times that may lead to a crypto winter. But the final point that he made in all of the reasons why this has gone horribly wrong was that the company overhired and tried to grow way too fast. Um, they Yeah, over the last two years, they tried to grow way too fast. They'd begun operating less and less efficiently at their new size. Mm. And it's going to take some time before they can start scaling up again. So maybe trying to learn some lessons in there. Um, Other companies too, other crypto companies have been laying off um, a substantial amount of employees because obviously the crypto market is 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 not doing too well. I'm so glad I don't have that much. I'm so glad I don't have real money in crypto. (laughs) I mean, you did. I I did. (laughs) Right. Well, well, actually, no, I never had millions of dollars. Of no, crypto, I never joke, had. Substa- I had more money than I do now in crypto at some point, but I've never had real money like money. I've never had money that matters in crypto. But I also think it, it's funny that there's like in especially in tech, there's this like you have to grow at rapid scale, you take on a bunch of funding, you grow, grow, grow. And then when it fails, it's like, you don't blame the mental model or the business model. You blame a whole bunch of other things and then try to do the exact same thing again. And it just boggles my mind that these companies 
keep doing these things and it keeps not working for them. And then they just mm. do it all over again. And they post thought leader bullshit on Twitter as if they know the answer to everything. Everyone's, you know, lapping it up. And the other week, you know, the, the, the Bolt guy, the Bolt founder, mm-hmm. they're, they're still in business, but they're doing absolutely shit. And then you look at someone like Jordan Gow, who we had on the podcast, I think he's doing, I don't know if it was more gross market value or similar, and he's super low amounts of investment. Jordan's attitude was pretty much, we'll take money when we need to take money. And because he's bootstrapped a business before, he has a whole different mental model. He has an appreciation of what capital can do when it makes sense, but he's not Mm -hmm. just, he's not just ready to burn through money. And hopefully he's going to, you know, I I said on Twitter, I hope he speaks with someone, you know, like Sam Parr on their, um, what's it called? That first, my first million podcast. Because I reckon they'll drive into some interesting questions. You know, I gave it a go, but I'd like to hear some more information about that because he's in a space that's competitive, that's you know, really hyped up and he's doing it without burning through hundreds of millions of dollars of investor money, which is, mm. which is apparently that's impressive now, <laughs> you know, when you consider the, <laughs> when you consider the benchmark, I suppose it is impressive, but, um, I mean, Jordan's just doing what he's, he does, you know, he's not doing anything out of the ordinary. It's what, it's what, yeah, we do. It's what lots of people do, but because yeah. he's in that space, he now looks like this person who's just, well, sane, I suppose is, is the word I'd use actually here. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think it's interesting too, like as we head towards this inevitable possible recession, right? Like I think investors and venture companies have started to and are going to continue to, I I would guess, be more wary about putting substantial amounts of money into things that are pre-revenue or things that are yeah. potential revenue far far down the line kind of thing and i risk. look at com- yeah and i look at companies like ours which grows incredibly slowly internally like as far as hiring goes right like we have mm-hmm. three people and then some contractors and some other folks that we pay to, to do things for us and even like the other bootstrap businesses that we talk to because you and i mostly you <laughs> at this point mm-hmm. talk to other indie founders and I don't feel a sense of dread about like a market downturn because I feel like we're in a better place to obviously we don't know what's coming but like I feel like we're in a pretty good place to weather any kind of storm like we're we're not going to run out of money unless something really really significantly changes like our growth changes what it's been doing for since we started basically right and i think there's... it wouldn't matter though it would just slow down hiring i guess but it wouldn't actually matter if our <laughs> slow, suddenly slow down hiring maybe... one person every four years <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah exactly i mean it wouldn't change anything it really wouldn't like if i think about our projections if we suddenly started losing five percent a month which um i don't believe would happen but if it did happen mm-hmm. it's like so what it doesn't change anything we just keep going yeah. And I think it's funny because sometimes I kind of, I guess I, w- I wouldn't say I get stressed out about it, but I think about like, oh, I wish we could move a bit faster. Like I wish we could move a bit faster. And then I look at the oh, companies yeah. who do move fast and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to be those companies. Like it just feels, I feel like I would have so much more stress if I was operating. Oh, you would. But that's, <laughs> that's it though. I mean, we talked about this. When you take that kind of money and you, you're playing this big all or nothing battle, that suits some people's psychology and it's fine for them to do it 
I think that's why we said you've got to know, you know, you wrote the article, what is enough? Mm -hmm. What is your enough? Where, like the base of your psychology, what is good for you? You need to actually ask yourself these questions before you make these decisions. Because for me and you, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It would ruin it actually. Uh, For me, it would completely ruin it. Yeah, I, I agree. But like, I don't so, care about, so I read the Coinbase stuff. Like, I, I don't, like I do and I don't. So from a personal ethics, him having this crazy house while his employees are getting, or, you know, the hires are getting, uh, offers are getting rescinded. Like, that does bother me on a personal level. On in, on a, on another level, it's like um, that money he got came from people wanting to buy his his high risk company, or what I consider to be high risk company mm-hmm. when they IPO'd, right? So at the same time, the people whose money paid for that is going to be <laughs> probably other rich people. Um, it doesn't bother me that much. How he behaves, I think, bothers me more than his personal assets. So the the I read some stories about people who it's messed up their immigration, it's messed up a whole bunch of things where their job offers have been rescinded. I really don't like that. That bothers me. You know, you made a commitment to hire someone. I get that it's business, but you made a commitment to hire someone that puts puts for me if someone did that to me the relationship's ruined for life because you've mm. just gone back on something you've you've offered and it just it feels really wrong i know it's business at the same time and then the other stuff he just does a bunch of stuff that i just find to be a bit odd um like technically they've corrected they were hiring like idiots oh i guess that's what they do in vc it's it's spend 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 because it's hyper competitive they want to grow 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 and now they're trying to get things under control I don't like, I don't follow this guy a ton. Like he doesn't, I don't know. Like what else is it? Like why, why is everyone hating him now? Like what's the thing? Like, so the house thing I've seen, the yeah. of job offers is horrible. What else has happened? I mean, that's basically the having to let go of like 18% of his workforce. is like the big Yeah, and that's thing. gross. Like, and, and so, okay, fine. So exactly. So that, the fact that you are, irresponsible and you're literally just putting shareholders and shareholder gain before other people i'm completely against i suppose that ties into the house it's like yes he's got this big house but look at what he's doing to his employees in order to get that i suppose that's where it it comes back to yeah Um, yeah no that's fucked i mean you you have a responsibility you know what we can talk to other people say oh it's just business blah blah blah. but it's like you, you employ people they depend on you for their livelihood and you're going to basically dispose of them because you have been irresponsible with how you run your business. I, I don't like people like that. And yeah, that is messed up, I suppose. Now I yeah. don't like his fucking house. Fuck him. <laughs> I mean, the, the house I've seen, I guess, renders. I don't know. I, I guess I've seen either a photo or a render. It's hard in Los Angeles real estate. It's hard to tell what's a render and what's an actual house. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think there's, I think there's a, I think there is a line and we've, we feel the same way about this where there's, you don't have to treat employees like family because they're not, but there is a level of responsibility that I think that you and I feel before we hire and when we hire where it's like, these people are relying on us to generate revenue basically Mm. for themselves, for their families. So I feel like we need to do everything in our power to make sure they're happy. Why would a, I guess, why would somebody in tech who could basically pick whatever job they want right now, want to work at a high growth company where they know it's inherently risky? 
There's that too, yeah. So you're choosing to work at a high risk company. You know this can happen. There is that too. You know you work at. But a startup. why? Like, what would be the reason? I guess because I've never worked for anybody else. Well, what would be? What's the logic or reason there? I mean, early days it's equity. So you take this high risk, but there's there's allegedly you know, in the magical future there's going to be a payday and you you make less money. Something mm-hmm. like Coinbase. I don't know. Like their software. I mean, I haven't used it in years, but when I used it, their software was fantastic you know they were clearly cutting edge yeah the interface was great it looked nice yeah so i don't know i don't know i honestly don't know i don't know like dude i'm so like burned out on crypto i mean hearing a story it's like crypto ceo like loses 18 percent of his company um you know and then there's i saw something about a leak actually that was one thing i did see recently there was a leak of, of some kind about everything that's happened like i just it doesn't surprise me. The whole the whole industry of crypto, it, it's 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 emerging. It's new. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't care about crypto. It doesn't interest me. That might change. You know, we've played around with NFT stuff. We've, you know, we've both played around. Like before, we worked on Fathom. Me and you worked on that crypto project. Like it was a a weekend project. It was just to test some technology. It was fun, right? Yeah. But we sent Doge just, to the moon. <laughs> we sent Doge to the moon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it just doesn't interest me. And I just think this whole kind of emerging tech is going to be volatile. I feel like that happens a lot. And I even think back to, I guarantee, <laughs> careful, Jack. I ex- I bet that during the, the tech bubble, that it was a year 2000, where all the tech bubble was happening. I bet you there was a lot of redundancies happening when overpriced tech companies suddenly were losing money and, and all kinds of things. So when there's an emerging technology, I just think you have to be careful anyway. So I'm just, I'm just not that surprised. I was more annoyed about the one-click checkout guy burning through hundreds of millions of dollars and firing people. Because it's like e-commerce has been established for a long time. Um, this one-click checkout is not a big stretch. It really isn't. It's like, okay, you can remember the person on there like via SMS or via email or whatever it is. It's, it's not a big stretch from a lot of the stuff Amazon's doing and, and everything else. So that guy really bothered me. This isn't some weird or this isn't some emerging thing like crypto. This is, you know, e-commerce. It's not hard. That bothered me more. The Coinbase CEO, I guess as well, dude, like, to be honest, I already have low thoughts about him. The whole suppression of certain speech at work or, or something, or is it banned was it banned politics or yeah, trying know, to regulate what adults speak about talk about just seems like a recipe wherever you fall on being for or against it it just seems like a can of worms well i would have done it case by case i would have fired someone if they were abusing someone for their political beliefs because you know yeah. that, you can't do that in a workplace um but at the same time you know as we discussed before it's it's adults you know you're gonna, you're gonna yeah. regulate adults i'm gonna and then you you said and this is months ago it's like what what is political and it's like, is a black person's existence political? Can they not talk about some like mental health strike? What can they talk about? You know, or someone in Ukraine right now? Oh, sorry, the Russian invasion is political. You can't talk about that. Oh no, what you can talk about that because that's an ex- like where does it yeah, where yeah. does it start and where does it end? And it's just such a mucky thing. And I think that you've got to let adults regulate themselves. And if someone's going to be abusive, or you know, say we have different views on, say for example, you don't want to kill animals, and I do. Like if you're abusing me or I'm abusing you then one of us should be fired, right? Mm-hmm. 
I always think about that. You know, they, you know, in the US, things are heated. It's kind of Democrat, Republican. I guess it's like a, a Biden versus Trump, this split country. It is like yeah. that in a lot of places, to be honest, with um, politics. I always think about you because it's like you literally believe that. And well, okay, you can say it objectively it is. Um, meat is murder, right? That is like, imagine having that conversation with someone. That's probably up there in terms of your personal beliefs. Like you would mm-hmm. really... You know, and you're you're not slagging people off, and and people aren't slagging you off, and it just, I don't know, it, it feels like that's quite a divisive thing. But you couldn't say you're. Oh, that's it. Okay, Paul. So actually, if yes. they were doing meals, right? If they were doing meals, and they said to you, "Hey, Paul, uh, you know, we're we're doing dinners," you couldn't say that you're vegan because that's political. Steak or chicken? Fuck you, nothing. <laughs> exactly. But that's it. Like you couldn't say it because it's political. Like what is political? Everything's political. Yeah. Don't talk about politics unless it benefits the. Oh, we've been through. We've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like the people that are slagging people off because like they're working through their political views and they 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 get some things and they don't fully get it and perhaps they're swayed by things they shouldn't be and they're trying to they're trying to work out what they believe. I don't think that abuse helps. I think that conversations help. I think that genuine conversations help. And when I see people abuse people, I just think, yeah, you know what you're going to do? You're going to alienate them. So they're now going to see you as an enemy and they're never <laughs> going to ever change their views. I always think to my, I was thinking this last night, actually, if I'm talking to someone, um, if they have some views that I just think are completely nuts, and I'm not talking about uh, Westboro Baptist Church, I'm, I'm talking they're just perhaps, I don't know, they're way off from mine, right? I'm not talking about Hitler views. Um, there has to be a, you have to try and seek out some kind of area where you can relate. Not Maybe not politically, but there has to be some way of relating to that person if you want to have a discussion. If you just abuse them, you're never going to change them. That, that's mm-hmm. literally not going to work. So, and again, I wouldn't do that with someone who's a, a literal Nazi. <laughs> think that's yeah. like, that's a non-starter for me, but yeah, Coinbase CEO is already, I already have somewhat low estimations of him. So None of this surprises me, I guess, is where my rant was going. Mm-hmm. I'm just apathetic, I think, to the whole thing is almost how I feel. It's like, cool. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> how depressing is that? Yeah, I mean, fair, fair fair enough. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't surprise me. It just kind of, it, it bothers me that this isn't, like, this is just one example of a set of behaviors that have existed for a couple decades, at least now. At least, at, sorry, at least in tech, at least, it's existed right. for a couple decades where Outside these kind of, of things, yeah, you're right. yeah, where these kind of things happen. And it just, but still, this is the, this is the prevailing business model for tech, right? And it's just, it just, it like it. I guess it boggles my mind because I'm in tech, but I'm such an outsider in tech at the same time. It's changing. It's, it's yeah. changing. People are becoming more aware of this and we're seeing a rise. So it isn't just that. Before it was everyone wanted to seek investment and do this and go public. It's, it's changing. The the bootstrapped or independent company, whatever you want to call it, or even the the low investment company is becoming more of a desire. You know, it really is. It's yeah. the the um, the topic the the view of venture capital uh, venture funded companies is changing. People are seeing them for what they are, and they're high risk high risk investment vehicles. So if you want that, then great. But it's other ways. I wonder to I guess to parlay the conversation in a slightly related but different area. Do you feel like this is the way? Because right now we have basically a, a monopoly of four companies running 
software hardware landscape, right? Like the big tech companies. Like, do you think then is the way to not necessarily compete? Cause like we don't really compete with Google analytics, but we kind what we kind of do, but do you think that then the, the new model for existing in a market where there's clear domination by a single company who does anti-competitive, like this isn't even really a debate anymore. Like they do anti-competitive and, and lobby type things to mm. maintain their position in the market. Do you think then like people trying to compete with them by raising a lot of money and trying to grow like they do, like trying to be the next Facebook, like you talked about in your Let Does Laravel Scale article, like that doesn't work because it can't work because it you can't compete with massive at a big scale or it's very very difficult but then maybe the maybe the way to compete with them is to do what we do where we have less than one percent of the market share but we don't need a ton of the market share because we built our company in a way that's profitable since the start we move slowly mm-hmm. we don't need a ton of customers to be able to pay us and our employees and our contractors well like is this then the way to compete with monopolies by doing things in almost the exact opposite way that these big tech companies have done things and continue to do things. Yeah. And that's the difference is some people want to win. Some people want to go really big. They want these multi billion dollar valuations so they can tell their friends about it and, and kind of try and boast about it. Uh, I'm joking. Obviously I'm joking, but <laughs> they have their reasons for wanting to do that. Okay. We, we just, I don't know. We just turn up and do it. We just focus on sustainability I mean, that's, that's all we do. We focus mm-hmm. on sustainability and that just seems to work well. And again, some people, you, you talked about um, competing with these big companies by taking tons, tons of capital. Um, like you absolutely can do that. And there'll be people out there who are capable of competing with these, these large companies. Absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, wh- why? Why do you need to, you know? Yeah. I disagree. I don't think it's possible to compete with them. Like it feels, and you won't get this reference, but other people who listen to the show who are more a type of nerd that I am will, it feels like a Kobayashi Maru where it's an un, it's an unwinnable battle to, to, and basically it's a simulation in Star Trek that does, that you can't win. And the only way to beat the simulation is to break the rules. And I feel like that's what we're doing is we can't compete with big tech because I don't think anybody can, regardless of how much you raise at the moment. It doesn't feel like somebody could come in and become the next Apple and usurp Apple from the dominance that they have. Like, I don't think that 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 is physically possible, regardless of capital. But I do think we couldn't. I don't think anybody could. (laughs) Well, my my nuance here is if you had a company and it was, um, and I say Warren Buffett was involved, Paul Graham. Um, like Elon Musk was involved too, and you you built a company and you just chucked tons of capital into it. I believe that they could disrupt uh, someone like Google, a hundred percent. I don't think your indie maker is going to do it with funding. I think that seasoned entrepreneurs, like, <laughs> like uh, a super group of entrepreneurs, could do it. So that's my nuance. I don't think an independent maker is going to be able to. I don't think they should either. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter about what I think like in hypothetical land where I have no proof. It doesn't matter what I think. Um, I don't think they should. And it, you go back to your rule-breaking uh, metaphor. I think that's great. But yeah, why, why even try? You know, you have Because for an indie maker, you're not... Okay, fine. So let me nuance what I said then. I do believe that someone could come along 
and disrupt these companies. And like my my vision, my vision there was, oh, it's like Elon Musk and a bunch of like <laughs> all these people that are just ridiculous. Okay, so an independent maker shouldn't come along and try and disrupt these big companies. No, I, I agree with what you said about breaking the rules. Yeah, it seems like the, the and it, I guess it, it comes down to likelihood of success. Unless you are Elon Musk, then the likelihood of success could change. But it feels like if you try to compete with these companies, the likelihood of success is a rounding error to zero. Whereas if you enter the market and build a great product that caters to a niche of that market where it the, the amount of market share doesn't matter. Like we never talk about market share internally yeah, because no who idea. gives a shit? We have customers and our customer base grows regardless of how quickly it grows or how much it grows or how much of the market share we have. If we're profitable, if we're covering our expenses, including paying ourselves and the people who work for us, then who cares? Like it mm-hmm. doesn't, we don't need to compete with Google because it doesn't matter. <laughs> So it, it feels like the likelihood of success by doing things almost the opposite way is just far greater because we don't have to, like, we don't need to look at well, what's Google's ad spend versus Fathom's <laughs> ad spend, yeah. right? Like we spent a couple hundred dollars sponsoring podcasts before and that was more I don't just, even care like, about, yeah. like, I don't even care about competitors anymore. I'm just, I'm in a different place mentally. I'm like, I'm still... I'm still recovering from being sick for four weeks. If yeah. it's week four, um, mentally I'm in this place where I'm just so, so much more interested in our in our plans. You know, people will keep copying us, and that's fine. It doesn't really. I just don't care. I think a conversation with Ben that I had. You know, I talked to Ben about enterprise sales. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked. I think I mentioned this on the podcast. I might not have done, but we talked about the kind of the racing to the bottom in terms of pricing, right? Where everyone tries to undercut the other. And so he, he sort of said to me, and I'm going to butcher this, but it was a case of, well, why would they use your competitor over you? And, and so if there isn't, if it's just price, but you're a better product, but you know, you provide them more value, they're probably not going to move to your competitor to say $5 a month, unless you're really dealing with a low end product, which is, aimed at um kind of price conscious market which we're not mm-hmm. we're in smb which they're obviously somewhat price conscious but that's not us um, a business wouldn't move to an undercutting competitor and so it really comes down to you just got to have the best product you've got to have yeah. the vision you've got to deliver and that's it and, and when i sort of internalizing that i just could not care about the competitors like, what's well, a more interesting problem sure, to solve point, but it, yeah. It's just, it's more exciting, I, I guess to you and I at least, it's more exciting and interesting and not to crack of how can Fathom deliver more and more value over time to the people who want to use us. Like that feels like that's a that's a problem that you and I could could work on for years and still be interested versus like, how can we undercut this competitor and gain like 5% of their customer? Like, like that's not interesting. Which isn't worth it anyway. Cause, no. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I feel like I've the copycats made me laugh, maybe annoyed me at times, um, but I just don't know. I just don't care, and it's a quite a nice feeling. Even I got like I think Simon Bennett sends me random shit on Telegram, and I just like I just don't care anymore <laughs> about competitor stuff. And it's yeah. really cool. I, I literally just don't give a shit, 
<laughs> and I'm more yeah. excited about the the document you put together the other day about the ways we can change a few. Th- I'm not even going to talk about it because it's future future. But that kind of stuff where we're talking about okay, our customers are growing their business, growing their app, whatever they're doing. What can we do to enhance the visibility they get? And I'm talking yeah. to Adam from Tailwind, and and they're like that business is nuts. So Tailwind are smashing it. Adam, Adam, if you see Adam's tweets, it's so funny. He's like, talks about, about, you know, I wonder what a proper business person would do if they were running this company. I'm like, dude, you are a proper business person. Like they want to do stuff. Like they want to probably learn stuff from their traffic and do various other things. What can we do to help companies like that just succeed? And I'm excited about what we've been talking about and just tuned out from all the bullshit around us. Tune into competitors when you have to, but who the fuck cares? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we should probably end it there. I think this was a good one. We covered crypto, Matt Damon, Kobayashi Maru. I think we're good.